You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Speaking of Proverbs, as I, was, as I was growing up, I remember my dad used to have a collection of Proverbs or sayings that he'd repeat to us over and over again. Um, they weren't always from the Bible, unfortunately. But yet, uh, they were still filled with, with wisdom and actually helped shape my life and guide my decisions over the years. And uh, one of them in particular was extremely helpful to me because it dealt with the subject of friendship. Friendship, which um, is a subject that I'm going to be addressing this morning as we go through Proverbs. And um, while there are a few different renditions of this particular proverb about friendship, his version, when, when he, you know, when he would sit me down all serious, like, his version went like this. You know, he put his hand on my knee, you know, son, remember these words of mine. And he'd say, you can pick your friends, and you can pick your nose, but you can't eat your friends. <laughs> That's disgusting, right? So, he'd say that to me over and over. Sorry to embarrass you, Dad. He's, he's right there, by the way. You can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't eat your friends. Um, sound advice, though, right? It is gross, sound advice, though. I mean, to this day, I can honestly say that I've never eaten a friend. Um, but then again, yeah, I've done well in life. Uh, but then again, you know, why, why would I, right? First of all, that would be cannibalism, so that's not right. Um, but secondly, true friends really are a precious commodity, aren't they? Right? Having a deep friendship is, is rare and definitely doesn't come along every day, which, which means it's not something to be taken for granted, not something to be consumed or thrown out once we've had our fill. As, as the book of Proverbs points out over and over again, one of the things that will help us prosper and persevere in life is when we have and are cultivating true and deep friendships. Therefore, pursuing friendships is, is a form of practicing wisdom. Uh, God himself said, it's not right that man should be alone. Right? In other words, we're not meant or designed to do all of this by ourselves. We're not meant to be individuals in this. And, and speaking of friends, uh, friends of mine, uh, Cam and Nancy, who are sitting right there, embarrass them. Um, they, they recently got Audrey and I hooked on this show on history television called Alone. And um, if you guys haven't heard of this show called Alone, it's like Survivor without all the silly games. And basically, they, they take ten contestants and they, and they stick them all by themselves in some, in some area of the wild in this current season, it was in the Arctic, and uh, they stick them there all by themselves, and they have to survive, they have ten items, they have to survive all by themselves, it's completely real, they film themselves, nobody's with them, they're all, they're all alone, and, um, and it's freezing cold, and they have to hunt, and all that kind of stuff to survive, and, and it's interesting that one of the, and they have, they have a radio where they can tap out, you know, if they're done, they can, they can call the radio and be like, I'm done, I'm ta- I tap out, and then they come get picked up, right? And one of the, the main things that caused people to either go home or, or lose focus or even like lose their mind, some of them went a little bit loopy, um, it, it wasn't necessarily the hunger or, or the cold or, or whatever. It, it was the isolation. 
It was the isolation. It was being alone. It was, it was missing their friends and missing their family. Some went home for that reason. They had a lot of food and storage and like, no, I, I can't be alone anymore. I gotta go. I gotta go home. And, and, and that's because we're not designed as humans, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually. We're not designed to be alone. We're, we're meant to have consistent people in our lives to rejoice with, to share things with, people to hang out with, people that will help us along in, in the same vein that we can also help along, right? That's one of the, the beautiful things about being part of a church, being part of a church community, right? Part of God's plan was to create a community built up in Christ, unified by His Spirit, so that we're never alone in living out our new life in His kingdom. But yet, still, within the community of God, like we can't all be best friends with each other, right? That's, that's impossible. So within the community of God, we're reminded by Proverbs and, and that, that it's also good for our well-being to be cultivating some, some personal and deep friendships as well. Because while having family is great, having our, our church community is great, having other relationships like romantic ones or you know, acquaintances at work, whatever, all those are, are great. But friendships are different, aren't they? Friendships are unlike any other of our relationships. There will be elements of friendships in the other relationships, but friendships are different. Friendships provide an understanding and, and a closeness and a joy and a camaraderie that no other type of friendship can. And besides, unlike family, you get to choose who your friends are, right? Based on your personalities and interests and sense of humor and faith or passions or whatever, right? But with that being said, if friendships are important for us, this means it's also extremely important that we know how to both be good friends and choose good friends, right? We need to know how to be good friends and how to choose good friends. Proverbs 13.20 says this, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will will suffer harm. What's, what's the saying is that it's better for our well-being and, and for a life that, that, we, that we have wise friends rather than foolish ones, right? Good friends will steer us into wisdom, into good things, into life, right? But bad friends, well, they can get us into trouble, right? And so we need wisdom here. We need wisdom in order to, to find and cultivate good friendships, Right? It takes wisdom to know the difference between superficial friends and true friends. That way we know who we can trust, right? And in the same way, it takes wisdom to know if we're actually being a good friend ourselves. So this morning, I want to highlight some of the marks or attributes of, of, of what a good friend looks like according to the wisdom of Proverbs. While at the same time, uh, talk about how to cultivate those friendships, but ultimately... I want to address, and in light of all of this, then, how amazing it is that Jesus calls us his friend. So, let's get into it. According to the, the wisdom of Proverbs, here are four characteristics or marks of a true friend. So, number one, a true friend is intentional. A true friend is intentional. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of... Many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend 
who sticks closer than a brother. This type of friend that sticks closer than a brother. What, what's this saying? What, what this is saying is that friends, true friends, stick together, right? And, and not because they have to, but because they want to, because they choose to, because they're intentional about it. So when we see best friends that are inseparable, it's simply because they want to be inseparable. They enjoy being in each other's company. They, they choose it. Their connection is deliberate and voluntary, right? However, you know, like I said earlier, when you're born into a family, you don't, you don't get to choose that, right? You're, you're bound by blood. You're, you're stuck together, whether you like it or not. Whether you like your siblings or not, you're stuck together, right? But with friendships, the, the sustaining power comes to the intentional choice to hang out and spend time together and call each other up, right? And have coffee on a regular basis. That, this is also why it's, it's usual that we only have a couple or, or a small group of really close friends, right? Um, because while you might have 300 or 500 or whatever Facebook friends, the reality is that, that it's impossible to be intentional with every single one of them. It would also be pretty silly to think that they're all going to be there for you when you need them. And, and even more than that, this proverb reminds us that, that many companions can actually lead to ruin. Many companions can actually lead to ruin. We're, we're seeing that being played out in our culture today, especially on social media. For example, there have been quite a few documentaries and, and studies on some of the highest or most popular followed Instagrammers. Is, are they called Instagrammers? I don't even know. Um, YouTubers and, and wealthy people and actors and stuff. And, and guess what? They found that these are actually some, some extremely lonely, isolated, stressed out, and depressed people. Because true friendships aren't surface level. They're not purchased or, or based on, on popularity or social media likes. Right? Those aren't your true friends. Rather, true friends, deep friendships, are intentional, right? They're face-to-face. They're, they're real. They're real. As, so as Timothy Keller writes, friendships take time, and everyone's time is limited. So while in theory you could have many friends, good friends don't grow on trees, nor can you have a large number of them. So give time to the ones you have. Give time to the ones you have. True and lasting friendships require intentionality, time invested, energy invested, emotions invested. This is a reminder for us not to take our friendships for granted, but to be intentional with them in order to cultivate them and maintain them. This leads us directly to the next attribute of of what a true friend looks like, according to Proverbs Number two, a true friend is constant. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A true friend is constant. They're BFS, best friends forever. Right? Forever, right? Forever. So, some, so a friend, that means that a friend is someone who doesn't ditch out when, when, when the going gets rough, 
but rather loves you at all times, through good times and bad, right? Who, who laughs with you in embarrassing moments, who rejoices with you in your successes, and instead of becoming jealous of you, right? Who stands by you even, even when you mess up. Who sits with you at a funeral, who, who stays up all night with you in conversation, who, who prays for you, who prays with you, right? who has you on their mind. Right? A true friend is faithful and there for you, even when the chips are down and even when you have nothing to give them in return. And a true friend will usually set aside whatever they're doing if they can, right? if, if you really need them. Even when you haven't seen them in use. That's the power of friendship. In contrast to this, I think, I think we find that most other relationships that we, we find ourselves in during our everyday lives are, are often transactional in nature, aren't they? Um, Proverbs 19.67 gives us an extreme example of this transactional type of nature when it says, Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but does not have them. So, I had supper at uh, Boston Pizza yesterday. Um, and our wait- we had a waitress. She was really friendly. Asked how our day was going. Asked what we were up to later. Uh, did a good job serving us. All, all of that kind of stuff. But, but we know that she was, in that moment, she was just playing the friend. Right? She was just playing the friend until the transaction was over and she got her tip. Right? In other words, sometimes people in our lives, they'll play the friend. Right? When in reality, they're just in it for what you can give them. Which isn't always bad. Like, the waitress transactional relationship wasn't bad, right? But sometimes it can be. You know, when, when, they're, when they're doing it to deceive you or use you. And as soon as you have nothing left or become an outcast, they're out as well. As they say, they only call you when they need something. Some of us are friends like that, right? But this is how some of us treat God as well. But a true friendship isn't transactional like that. A true friend is there for you and you for them no matter what. Not for social or economical gain, but out of love. Out of love. This means that one of the best gauges of, of who's truly a friend to us or not is, is whether they do stick by us during difficult times. And on that end, it's, it's worth taking a look at our own side of our relationships and ask ourselves, you know, am I just friends with that person because of they have what they can do for me? Because they have money or because they give me gifts? Or is this friendship merely transactional or is it constant? Regardless of what the other person has done or what they can give, would, would I still be friends with them and stand by them even if they lost everything? We need to ask ourselves those things. Which leads us to the next characteristic of a true friend. Number three, true friends are honest and trustworthy. True friends are honest and trustworthy. Proverbs 27, 5 to 6, and verse 9 say this. It says, better an open, deafer man than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy 
but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So, so first off, what this seems to be saying is that a true friend will always tell it like it is. They'll always tell you like it is, right? Uh, certainly a true friend will, will, will build you up and give you good advice and helpful advice and encourage you in your life and in your faith. But this also means that they're, they're going to be ready to give you honest and earnest counsel. In love, of course. But they'll tell you what you need to hear, even if it's not what you want to hear. Even if it stings, even if it hurts, even if it wounds your pride or whatever. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. That's the kind of counsel and advice we really need because it's truthful. And it's trustworthy and honest. And we can say that it's trustworthy and honest because friends ultimately have our best interest at heart. A superficial superficial friend might say, well, I'm I'm worried about what they'll think of me if if, if I tell them they're heading down a wrong path, so I'm just not going to say anything. Right? That's, that's no help at all. And that's selfish thinking. They're more worried about themselves than about you. Or others will just pay you lip service and, and tickle your ears with affirmation over your bad, dis- bad decisions and bad choices. They say, oh yeah, you're doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, cool. Because they don't really care about you. Right? As it says, the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Flattery only leads to ruin. But in contrast to that, real friends aren't worried about getting something from you. They're not worried about what you'll think of them. They're worried about you. They're worried about your well-being. They want what's best for you. And so a true friend will sacrifice whatever it takes, even your opinion of them, to help you, to put you on the right track. To slap you on the side of the face when you need it. In love, of course. <laughs> this, this means then that, that when, when a friend we trust seems to wound us with their counsel, we, we need to resist the temptation to be offended. If it's coming from a friend we trust, we need to resist the temptation to be offended. And rather take what they speak to heart and seriously consider it. In the same way, if we truly love and care for our friends, we also need to be ready to speak truth to them in love, even if it's difficult. We need to be willing to risk their perception of us, or risk causing offense for a moment, for a season, if it's something they really need to hear. As the proverb says, better an open reprimand than concealed love. Holding it, holding it in doesn't help anybody. We need to be open and honest. And another nuance, though, behind this verse as well, is that this, this means that friends also need, need to trust one another in sharing their struggles and their emotions. Right? That's the flip side of it. And, and I, mentioned, I mentioned that because it's tempting these days to isolate ourselves. Right? To hide how we're feeling. 
don't want to bother anybody, or, or you know, especially when we're embarrassed or, or ashamed of what we've done, we just, we just want to close in, build a wall around ourselves, not talk to anybody about it, right? But then we're not really being good friends when we're doing that, right? If, if, a, fr- if a true friendship is open and honest, then we need to be open and honest ourselves. We need to trust our friends through being vulnerable, and then in doing so, we give them an opportunity to be a friend to us. Besides, they can't give us honest counsel, loving counsel, if they don't even know what's going on. We need to be vulnerable, open and honest. And that leads us to the fourth characteristic of true friendship. Number four, true friends are empathetic and comforting. True friends are empathetic and comforting. Proverbs 25.20 actually portrays for us the opposite of what we need in a friend when it says, singing cheerful songs to a troubled heart is like taking off clothing on a cold day or like pouring vinegar on soda. Right? And um, talking about baking soda there, they didn't have Coke back then. They weren't building volcanoes for their science projects. Um, but yeah, again, this proverb is, is a prime example of what not to do, right? A, a true friend, how actually, will be sensitive to how you're feeling. They'll listen to you, and they'll respond accordingly. More than that, they'll empathize with you, right? They'll, they'll cry with you. They'll laugh with you. They'll feel what you're feeling. As the proverb says, a true friend won't sing you cheerful songs when, when your heart is broken. Rather, their heart will break with yours. That's friendship. Timothy Keller again writes, if, if I can be content when you are sad, I'm not your friend. If I can be content when you are sad, I'm not your friend. Friends voluntarily tie their hearts to one another. They put their happiness into their friend's happiness. So they can't emotionally flourish unless their friends are flourishing too. And one of the amazing things about friendships in this regard is that the closer you are, the deeper your friendship is, the more personalized this becomes, right? That the more your friend will know exactly what to do to, to comfort you or, or, or cheer you up or lead you back into Christ because they'll know what works for you. They'll, they'll know what you need. That's one of the amazing things about friendships. Alright, so we've gone through some of the attributes of a good friend according to the wisdom of Proverbs. Though I want to point out that the reality is that no friend is going to be this perfect. No friend is going to be this perfect. Even, even, even the best of friends, as we all know, even the best of friends can, can fall short or make mistakes or disappoint us at times. Right? So, so we need to be ready to, to have grace and forgive them, and vice versa, to ask for forgiveness from our friends when we, when we fail them. But the point is, don't, I don't want you going home and holding these verses over your friends' heads with disgust and say, well, see, you're not being a good friend to me, like you should be, right? Don't post up on Facebook, you know, see, this is what a friend is. You know, like, don't do that stuff, please, okay? That's not what the point of this is this morning. In the same vein... 
You laugh, but people do that. Or maybe that's why you're laughing. I don't know. In, in, in the same vein, let's not use these verses to, to place our friends on, on a pedestal or, or put such expectation on them that they can't handle it. Right? Because that's never healthy in any relationship. Friendships grow into these things. They're, they're never perfect, though, right? But beyond all that, I'm sure some of us here may, be, may even be thinking, well, how come I don't get to have a friendship like this at all? How come I don't have friendships like this? And that's a real concern. And first of all, one of the reasons could be, you know, good friendships are hard to find. Good friendships are rare. And so, if you found one, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Invest in it. And, and don't sabotage it by you know, speaking rumors or betraying trust. Or refusing to have grace. Right? Cultivate it so that it grows deeper. But secondly, and, and this may not be the case with everybody or in every situation, but it's worth considering that it could be that we don't have friendships like that in our lives because maybe... We're not being that kind of friend to others. I don't know that's kind of harsh. But it could be true. Maybe we're not being that kind of friend to others. Because it's often tempting to point the finger and say, like I said, said earlier, it's like point the finger and hold these verses over people's heads and say, well, they're not being intentional with me, or they're not helping me, or they didn't come for me when I needed it, so, so I'm not going to do that for them. Right? That's usually how we react to things. Well, if they're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, right? But that's not how friendship works, and that's not how friendship starts. That's not how friendships grow. If we're always waiting for others to act like a friend before we do, or, or if, if we're unwilling to be vulnerable and honest and open and place our trust in others, or if we're the ones sitting by the phone waiting for the call to go hang out, instead of taking the initiative ourselves. Most likely we'll, we'll never find that kind of deep friendship. Remember, Proverbs isn't just telling us what kind of friend to look for. It's giving us wisdom for what kind of friend we should be. So again, this calls for some self-reflection, self-evaluation, and what kind of friend we're being? Are we are we putting in the effort to be a friend? But yet, the truth is, we all do need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A friend that's intentional. A friend that's constant. A friend that, that tells us like it is. A friend that loves us unconditionally. A friend we can talk to when we need when we need a friend. A friend that empathizes and comforts us. We, we all do need that. And this is why I find it so amazing that Jesus calls us his friends. He says to us, we, we've made that such a cheesy phrase, but there's nothing cheesy about it. It's, it's incredible that Jesus calls us his friend. He says to his disciples in John 15, 15, I do not call you servants anymore, 
Because the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. And then in, in John 15, 13, he says, no, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Ultimately, Jesus is the friend we need. Jesus is the friend who was intentional in building relationship with us when, when he came to dwell with us, right? Jesus is the friend who, who will never leave us nor forsake us. He is faithful forever, right? Jesus is the one who constantly intercedes for us and has us on his mind 24-7. Right? Jesus is the friend who, who speaks truth and wisdom into our lives. Or he says he has made known everything that, that, that he has heard from the Father. He shares everything with us. He, and he speaks exactly what we need, when we need it, what we need to hear to sanctify us, you know, to help us grow, to, to build us up, to build up our faith and to point us to God. And Jesus is the friend who, who empathizes with us and, and comforts us in our weakness. He knows what we're going through. He weeps with us when we weep. He laughs with us when we laugh. And He knows us deeply. He knows exactly what we need when we need it. Jesus, Jesus is the friend who loves us despite our, our sin. Who laid down His life for us at the cross. Even while all of His friends had abandoned and turned from Him in that moment. He remained a friend to us. So he's, he's not only the perfect example of what a friend looks like, the type of friend that he, he's calling us to be to, to one another, but ultimately, he's the friend we long for and the friend that we need. A friend like him, we will never be alone. And the amazing thing again is that he invites us to be his friend. Not because of what we've done, but because of who He is. He is a friend of sinners. On that note, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the, the gift of relationship, of companionship. Lord, and how that plays out in, in our friendship with God. I thank You that uh, You recognize that we weren't meant to be alone. So I thank you for, the, for the, the friendships and the friends that you've placed in our lives. The friends within this community, within the church, Lord. I pray that you would help us to have a deeper wisdom and understanding of what it means to be a friend of us. That you would lead us and guide us in that and help us to, to grow in that to emulate you in that, Lord. And on that note, Jesus, I thank you that you are ultimately the friend that we need. I thank you, Jesus, that you call us your friend. That we can come to you whenever we're in need, Lord. That you never leave us or forsake us. That you 
lay down your life for us. Or there is no greater love than that. So we thank you. We thank you so much that we get to call you our friend. Amen.